ordinary people empowered by the Spirit to witness to the Lord Jesus. This is the Acts of the Apostles. For more information, go to carolinesprings.church. I know you're all happy because you know my sermons are short, but praise God that we can open His Word this morning without fear because there are many places in this world where you're not allowed to do that. You'll be, it's a dangerous thing to do. But So as Jimmy was saying earlier, this morning we'll be continuing in our journey through the book of Acts. Um, so the theme we've sort of established for the book of Acts is that they, these guys are ordinary people, the people we read about, the apostles, filled with the Spirit to witness to the Lord Jesus. And so this morning... Um, We'll see Paul on his second missionary journey without Barnabas because of the disagreement that happened about Mark, but it's all sorted out later. But anyway, so Paul's on his second missionary journey, and he begins in the east, and in, as, as he goes, God sort of pushes him into Europe, to the west. Um, we, we begin to see the gospel moving through Paul, uh, Timothy and Silas, the three amigos, into Europe, namely Macedonia and then Greece. And so far, he's been to Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, where he leaves um, Timothy and Silas. And last week we had a look at Paul in Athens. Now in Athens, he was walking through and he found this temple to an unknown god, which is sort of like a safety net for the Athenians, you know, just in case there's a god out there that we don't know, this one's for you. And so he's preaching through there and he's preaching and and the Athenians grab him and they say, what on earth are you babbling about, Paul? And so he explains to them in their, in, wonderfully, in, his own, in their own way, philosophically, uh, with their own literature, poetry, who this God is and calls them to repent. And so, verse 1 of our um, reading today, Acts 18, verse 1, Paul leaves Athens and comes to Corinth. Uh, now, Corinth is a very important Roman city, just like Athens, and its location means that it's a hive of activity for soldiers sailors and uh, traders sailing uh, through Greece, past Greece, or traveling to and from Athens. And the Greek city, which the old Greek city was sacked by Athens about 100 years earlier, and the new Roman city was built in its place. Uh, then now the city of Corinth was known for its immorality. Not that any Roman city, city was particularly moral, but to say someone was a Corinthian was an insult. It was someone who had loose morals. It's what you called a prostitute. It was not a good thing to be. It was evil. And now this city was ridden with prostitutes, pagan temples, pagan temple prostitutes that actually worked in a, in a massive temple of, um, to Aphrodite, about a thousand prostitutes, and they just worked there to sustain the temple. And this makes... So you could sort of say that Corinth was like the Vegas of Greece, Right? Probably had the flashy lights and all the fountains. And, and so, yeah, if you told someone you went to Corinth, they'd give you that look. Like, I know what you did. <laughs> I, know you, I know Christians love to give people. And so this makes sense because Paul's letter to the Corinthians, um, when he leaves, he's writing back to them. He talks a lot about sexual immorality. And so 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, so he says to them, Or do you not know that the wrong Jews will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul goes on saying, 
And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Praise God. And so we know that these guys in Corinth, the church, we know that they, they know exactly what Paul's talking about. I mean, could you imagine writing to a church that you just started in the heart of Vegas? You'd probably say a lot of these kind of things. Your body's a temple. Don't join it with a prostitute. You are a member of Christ. You know, honor God with your body. And so sexual immorality is something that is particularly rampant in the, in the church in Corinth. Oh, not in the church, in, in the city of Corinth. And so Paul rocks up in Vegas, ready to preach some gospel. Now, I sort of imagine him driving down like a, like a dusty road on a chopper, all the dust going behind him, with like a Jesus fish at the back, just ready to burn the place to the ground. And so, this man's on a mission. And so, verse 2, There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Now, Aquila and Priscilla come from Rome to Corinth because, according to uh, Roman historians, the Jews in Rome are causing a ruckus over Jesus. And as uh, Simon said last week, they don't care the difference between the Jews and the Christians. They sort of just throw them out in one big bag. And so that's why they're there. And so here we meet a sort of power couple, Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla, as if their names, like, as if their names could not be more perfect for each other. Anytime they're mentioned in the gospel, they're, they're mentioned together. And they eventually join Paul in the work of ministry, traveling with him, um, staying with him, and he, they even teach other people. So if you keep reading on in the chapter, we meet a guy named Apollos, and he's a smart guy, eloquent preacher, but Aquila and Priscilla teach him even more. And so Paul enters Corinth. He's probably walking down the market, uh, probably finding an opportunity to talk about Jesus, finding a way to provide for himself, how to look after himself. And so he walks down and he sees these tent makers, right? OMG, you guys are tent makers? I'm a tent maker. So anyways, I'm homeless. Help me out. And so anyway, and so he went to see them, verse 3, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Now, first of all, an interesting thing about this is that the reason he stays with Aquila and Priscilla is not because he showed them a miracle, and they were in awe, and we were just like, oh, can we please, please have you at our house? No, he stayed with them because he was a tent maker, as they were. Now, I just want you, for a second, just to think about what it is that you do, your job. Maybe you don't have a job, maybe you have many jobs, just think about it. I know if you don't want to, I finished 1 a.m. last night, I work in hospitality, that, thinking about that is the last thing I want to do right now, but just do it. I just want to tell you something. So I want to tell you that there are people who you can potentially share the gospel with, people you can potentially share the gospel with better than anyone else in this room, simply because of that, that your occupation, maybe your hobbies, your, your pastimes, the sports you play. Or Paul is an ordinary guy, just like us, with, with a job, with hobbies, with pastimes, filled with the Spirit to witness to our Savior Jesus. You might not know it now, but God, by empowering you, uses even these things to share the gospel. Remember that. So anyways, Paul joins Priscilla and Aquila's business and lives with them. Now it may come to you as a shock as well to know that Paul is, is a tent maker. Thus far in Corinth, apart from Aquila and Priscilla, uh, Paul is alone. It's the first time there. 
and in order to provide for himself, he needs to work. So he's forced to work to provide for himself. And it doesn't mean that pastors shouldn't be uh, paid and they should work for themselves because we know that Paul suggests that teachers of the word should be cared for by those who are taught. But because there is no one in Corinth to support him, he supports himself. And so verse 4, every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So we have Paul, the apostle, preaching in the synagogues on Saturdays, and Paul, the team member at Outdoor Living at Bunnings on the weekdays, where lowest prices are just the beginning. But filled with the Spirit nonetheless. So he's an ordinary guy, empowered by the Spirit to witness to Jesus, not only in the synagogue on Saturday or on church on Sunday, but every single day of the week. Verse 5, when Silas and Timothy come from Macedonia, Paul devotes himself complete, exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Now we must assume here that Silas and Timothy brought supplies from the other churches because Paul's not making tents anymore. He quits his job at Bunnings and he goes straight into full-time ministry. He becomes a full-time preacher in Corinth, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Now another word for testify is to witness. The Greek word for this thing that he is doing is called diamateromai. Apologies to Sarah, that's awful pronunciation. But, which can be broken up into two parts, which is dia, which means thoroughly or properly, and materomai, which means to witness. And so here Paul is thoroughly witnessing the lordship of Jesus. Now we all know how he can do this, right? It's not because he's smart, or because he's famous, or because he's learned, but because what? He's empowered by the Spirit. By the end of this, you'll get sick of me saying that, or you might already be sick of me saying that. But, Paul, but God is working in Paul, giving him power. What is his power, you may ask? Well, let's rewind the clock a bit, back to the first chapter of Acts. Right before the ascension of Jesus, so before Jesus ascends back into heaven, um, Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. So the apostles sort of gather around him and they, and they beg him. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And then, um, yeah, and then to see Jesus' response, verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know, or not, the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is this power? It is the power to witness. The power to see only Jesus, the Lamb that was slain, the King of all kings, and to witness the worth of Jesus, our glorious Lord, bearing his name into Caroline Springs despite our weaknesses and the chaos of the world. But let's keep going. Now Paul is preaching the gospel to the Jews. Verse 6. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Now as many Jews had done in almost every other city, Paul goes to, they revile him. They oppose him. Some are like hurling insults at him as they listen to him, preaching against the gospel of Christ. And so what Paul does is he shook out his clothes in protest. 
Now, we see this a lot. This is a very Jewish thing to do. What a, what a Jew thing to do, Paul. And so the act of shaking off the dust from themselves, their bodies and their, especially their feet, is a, is a symbol of separation. Uh, the Jews do this to the Gentiles and to the Jews that don't accept, accept the gospel. Uh, the Jews who reviled Paul would be judged by God and Paul doesn't even want their dust on his body. Your blood be on your own heads, I'm innocent of it. But after this happens, let's keep looking. Verse 7, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justice, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. And so here Paul is reviled in the synagogue, so he goes next door to this guy whose house, some translations say, is hard-fixed to the synagogue, which means that maybe they share a wall or it could be even the same building. But he preaches there and Crispus, his name is Titius Justice, and Crispus and his house and many other Corinthians heard and were baptized. And so despite the reviling of some of the Jews, the church in Corinth is beginning to form. They hear and see Paul because he's preaching. And he preaches so they can be saved. And they can be saved because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. There is no other way to be saved apart from this gospel. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. And there is no other way to come before God pure and blameless without the blood of Christ. In Romans 10.14, Paul's letter to the Romans, he says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In other words, how can they repent if they don't believe? And how can they believe if they don't know what they believe to believe in? And how can they know if they're not told? Brothers and sisters, we have this treasure. The power of God unto salvation. If the power of God to witness with our lives. And what are we doing with it? Are we making much of Jesus? Are we treasuring him in our heart? Or are we hiding him from the world? Keep going, verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking and do not be silent. Now this is Jesus speaking to Paul, in case you didn't know. And when he says, do not be afraid, what does that imply? That Paul was afraid. I can't say to you guys, don't be so loud because you guys are so quiet, it's freaking me out. But, so Paul is afraid. Jesus says, don't be. Do not be silent. The truth is, the world we live in is trying to silence the gospel. Um, In China, the church is growing despite being persecuted by its own government. Um, We've seen crosses being removed from over 400 churches. And last month, um, the state... Administration for Religious Affairs announced 26 new regulations for the church in China. So those regulations include no home churches or Bible studies without the government's approval, no Christian publication. No one can be a pastor. No one can study theology without the government's approval. And no one can even donate money to the church without the government's approval. Um, Attacks targeting Christians have are rampant in India, Pakistan, the Middle East. 
Syria, but of course it's easy for us sitting here in this colourful church, both chairs and people, um, carpeted floors, big glass windows, to separate ourselves from the suffering of our brothers and sisters around the world. So let me bring it a bit closer to home. Um, In our society, praying in public is offensive to people. Saying anything remotely Christian or remotely religious at all will trigger controversy or make people feel uncomfortable. If you stand up for the gospel on matters like abortion or sexual immorality, you're seen as a hater or a bigot. And in our schools, our kids are taught to be ashamed of of the gospel. So we know that the world has a lot to say about what we have. But Jesus says, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. Uh, Now it's important to note that the protection that God promises here to Paul is specific to his time spent in Corinth because we know that after this, when Paul leaves and the church is formed in Corinth, persecution continues, it doesn't end. Indeed, church tradition and Roman history dictates that Paul was executed. That's how he died. But yet Jesus charges Paul to keep on speaking and because there are many people in Corinth who belong to Jesus, Jesus knows his sheep, and by the power working in Paul, his sheep will come to know Jesus. Praise God. So friends, we must not be silent. We must not hide Christ in how we live and what we say. We are clothed with power from God to make Jesus known to all the earth. So let us make much of our King, even in our weaknesses. It doesn't matter if you're you can't speak well or you're, you're nervous or you have a bad history or your illnesses or you're scared. It is because it's the only, it is only the power of God that saves. We are not empowered by the Spirit to be rich or to be successful or even to be healthy, but to carry the name of Jesus. This is why we are empowered by the Spirit. Paul, in one of his letters back to the church in Corinth, a few years later, reflects on his arrival in Corinth. Paul speaks of how God uses the foolish things to shame the wise. Let's have a look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. He says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Brothers and sisters, do not be silent. Let us not hide the gospel in fear or in ignorance or in shame, but by the power of God's Spirit, let us go on speaking. Let us show the world the gospel in what we live, what we do, and what we say. Let us make much of Christ, making all of our life all about Jesus, because we know that his glorious gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, is the only way to everlasting life. Therefore, let us be empowered by God's Spirit to be witnesses to Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are your people. 
I thank you that you are a good shepherd and that we can put our confidence in your guidance. I thank you that the spirit you have given to the apostles to witness to Jesus fearlessly, Father, you have also given to us. Lord God, I pray that you stir our affections for Jesus, showing us the beauty of his cross, Lord, so we can be that voice crying out in the wilderness, Father, pointing people to their Messiah, Jesus. And in his beautiful name we pray, amen.